0: Welcome to the Sooner Schooner Show, a part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. And if this is your first time listening to the show, you want to know that we're very glad to have you along. We're going to ask you to do something here in just a second, but you're not going to walk away empty-handed. We give you an opportunity to help us out and in return, we're gonna give you something cool, but before we get to that, I want to let you know what's coming up on this week's episode. This is our countdown episode. Now, I've done a list before where I talked, where I ranked, ranked and talked about all the heisman wanted quarterbacks at OU, and then gave you uh, how I how I thought they were, they should go in order based on talent, accomplishment, whatever. Who my favorites were. If you've never listened to that show, you can dig through our archives. I know we've got it posted here. You can find it. Check it out. Today, we're going to talk about the greatest players in OU history in the Big 12 era, or the greatest players OU has ever produced in the Big 12 era. I will give you my top three. Barry Trammell did a list of the top 10 assistant coaches hired in OU. I will give you my top three there and tell you one guy that is ranked too high and another guy that is ranked too low on Barry's list. And I'll explain why both of those guys need to be ranked in different places. And we're also going to squeeze in a little talk about Tennessee and uh, them being under NCAA investigation now for NIL violations and how that pertains to OU. I said we would ask you to do something, especially if you're new. Do us a huge favor. Give us a five-star rating, write a written review. If you give us a five-star rating, it helps us elevate our content. And the written review tells us what you like, what you don't like. As I said, we're not going to make you walk. We're not going to make you do that for nothing. Take a screenshot of it. Send it to Pete Bundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. And Pete's going to send you back a Heartland College Sports koozie. So this week on our show, the, the, the Pat Jones Show, which does provide some of my content for the podcast, I try and do different content, but sometimes I what we did was so interesting, and if you didn't get a chance to hear it, I at least want to let you in. And I'd always tell you that there's a Best of the Pat Jones Show, which is available at SportsAnimalRadio.com, uh, which I, well, I would appreciate you listening. And I think uh, this particular episode is on our front page, but... We ask who the best player in Big 12 history is. The best player in Big 12 history. And remember, the Big 12 started in 1996. So if you wanted to say guys like Billy Sims, Billy Vessels, Ellis Peacock, Steve Owens, um, Jamel Holloway, you are out of luck on that one because those are Big 8 players. Those aren't Big 12 players. A lot of people wanted to say Barry Sanders, but it's like Barry Sanders was in Big 8 days, so you can't count him. We agree with Bill Haston of the Tulsa World that it's Patrick Mahomes, and we were taking into consideration not only what these guys did in college, but how they were faring in the NFL because that's the when you're talking about the greatest players in history, both of those things have to factor in because it's not only about what you did in college it's what you did after and the development and Patrick Mahomes is no doubt a first ballot hall of famer he is if Patrick Mahomes quit right now he's a first ballot hall of famer and he's about to have his third uh he's about to have his third super bowl or is on the verge of getting his third super bowl as a starting NFL quarterback it doesn't feel like anybody else in Big 12 history has really accomplished as much as Patrick Mahomes is so we said Patrick Mahomes was number one, and of course it you know set off a lot of people getting angry. He couldn't beat he couldn't beat OSU. He was zero and three. Couldn't beat Baker Mayfield. People started arguing semantics, and I'm like, fine, whatever. I still have my opinion. You can have yours. There, there's not. There's really, you know, as coach likes to say, there's no right or wrong answer here. It's about getting discussion going and seeing where you're opinion is. So with that in mind, I thought I would spin it towards OU here for the podcast and give you what I thought were the three greatest players in OU history during the Big 12 era. Or you could if if you really are just that much into semantics, then call it the three greatest players that OU ever produced in the Big 12 era. And all three of the guys that I have on my list in the top three are all going to be Hall of Famers. In fact, I think all three will probably be first ballot Hall of Famers. If one isn't, he will definitely get in. It's just a matter of time. And I'll start from one and go to three. But number one, there's no way you you can say it's anybody but Adrian Peterson. He is the best player OU ever produced in the Big 12 era. In fact, he's the greatest player in history at OU in the Big 12 era and it ain't even close. Okay, the guy did not win a Heisman trophy and that's really all he didn't do at his career at OU. I don't care. I know Baker Mayfield and Sam Bradford and and Jason White, they've got the hardware, but Adrian Peterson is simply a combination of sp- of power and speed. That we haven't ever we never we had never really seen at OU up to that time. And that's saying something. Considering at one point, OU was pretty much running back you. You had three Heisman Trophy winning running backs: Vessels, Sims, Owens. All great. None of them. None of them were as good as Adrian Peterson. Sims close, but Adrian Peterson's better. And what really puts Adrian Peterson over the top and at number one on this list is his 14-year career in the NFL as a running back. The average length of career for a running back in the NFL, two and a half years. The average NFL player will play three and a half years. Running backs play two and a half years because of all the damage and wear and tear they do to their body, especially if they get a ton ton of work. Adrian Peterson played 14 freaking years in the NFL and bounced back from a devastating torn ACL. The guy is fifth, fifth all-time leading rusher in the NFL. He rushed for over 14,000 yards. It was 14,918 yards, I think, to be exact. The guy ahead of him, Barry Sanders. He's behind guys like Frank Gore, who played 100 years in the NFL. He's behind uh, the likes of Walter Payton and, and Emmitt Smith, and that's it. The guy has rushed for more yards than Eric Dickerson and Jim Brown. And when you talk about running backs, those are really the only two comparisons you can make to Adrian Peterson. If we were doing this all-time greatest players that OU ever produced, it's between him and Leroy Selman. Two Hall of Famers. Adrian Peterson is a Hall of Famer in the Big 12 era. It's, he is number one, and he is a distant number one from everybody else. Now, two and three, not too shabby at all. As I said, they're Hall of Famers. It's just, it's very hard to talk about these guys' stats because they're both offensive linemen. And you know exactly who I'm about to say. Number two on my list is Trent Williams. When you play 13 years in the NFL as mostly a left tackle, or definitely an offensive tackle. Again, we talk about the wear and tear and the damage you do on your body. It's tough, man. That, that, is a, that is a tough gig for anyone. And, you know, I looked at just kind of his stats, which you really can't figure for an offensive lineman. But the guy, you know, in his time, in his 13 years um, in the NFL, um, Trent Williams never played in less than 10 games doing it as an offensive lineman. Not only that, there are those out there, and, and I don't know how you judge this. I don't know how you would judge this, uh, other than talking to people who played the position or played the game, had a chance to play across from him. Trent Williams is, in some respects, considered the best to have ever played the game at that position. And think about this. Another thing as to why Trent Williams deserves to be so high on this list is is there are GMs that will tell you that is the second most important position in the NFL because you are protecting the quarterback, which drives everything. You are protecting the majority of quarterbacks' blind sides because most of them are right-handed. So Trent Williams, number two on the list, um, and certainly it's just so hard to imagine that when, the, when his name comes up for the Hall of Fame, he's not going to get in. Finally, I put Lane Johnson, who has a 10-year career, in the NFL, all of those with the Philadelphia Eagles playing right tackle, not left tackle. So you're not protecting the blind side. He, I don't think he has protected the blind side at any point during his time in Philly. But he's a guy who's also very highly thought of, of by his peers. He has one Super Bowl ring and another appearance in the Super Bowl. Oh, I forgot to mention Tripp Williams going to the Super Bowl with San Francisco 49ers and a chance to get a ring himself. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't do Patrick Mahomes things, so those to me were were the three guys. and And then once you start getting into four and five, it starts getting a little bit tougher to have this conversation because you have to mention Roy Williams, who forced the NFL to implement a horse, you know, the horse collar tackle. Uh, Roy's a little bit interesting of a guy because I always thought he was an undersized linebacker. He played safety, wasn't that great at covering. But damn, he would rock you. If you get a chance to hit you, he would destroy you. And of course, greatest play in the history of OU is as far as most people are concerned. You got to talk about Mark Andrews. You got to talk about Mark Clayton. CeeDee Lamb gets in this conversation. There's a place for Jalen Hurts right now. If you want to call him an OU product, you could certainly get into that. There are a lot of guys there. DeMarco Murray is is another one that could certainly be talked about, but one, two, three. For me, it wasn't even close. It was Adrian Peterson at number one, Trent Williams number two, Lane Johnson number three. I would like to hear yours because, especially when you when when I'm doing two offensive linemen, I can only imagine that you've got more skilled position players that that you're thinking of, guys that, that you believe deserve a little bit more recognition. Uh, a guy like Tommy Harris, so somebody had had brought up, a guy like Gerald McCoy. How about Gerald McCoy being in the conversation? He certainly deserves to be there. I don't, you know, Tommy Harris didn't play long enough. McCoy's was really good, not going to be a Hall of Famer. Again, the three guys I picked are all going to be Hall of Famers. That's why I would say they are the best players in the history at OU in the Big 12, or if you want to go best players who OU produced in the Big 12 era, then I'll give you that. Uh, but certainly, hit me up at Sports Radio APD. Let me know your top three all-time OU players in the Big Twelve era, or players how they produce. However, you want to say, but get but but get interesting with it. Um, I get the feeling most of you will have Peterson number one. I think it's two and three that I really want to see and see how many people go with the linemen versus how many people go with skill positions that have stats that you can measure a little bit easier. Now, continuing with the theme of the show, Barry Trammell put together a list of his own for sellout crowd where he ranked the top 20 OU assistant coaches of all time. And I'm not going to go through all 20 of them the way that we did on our show this week, but some of the guys on this list are pretty much the folks that you would ex- you would expect. Mark Mangino, Merv Johnson, Kel Gundy, Bobby Proctor, Galen Hall, Lincoln Riley is on the list, Mike Leach. Uh, Brent Venables, yes, Brent Venables made the list, but the top three, the top three, the way that Barry played it out was Bud Wilkinson, number one, Barry Switzer, number two, Chuck Fairbanks, Chuck Fairbanks, number three, all very good choices. But there was one glaring omission, which I'm going to get to in my top three, because number one, like Barry, I've got Bud Wilkinson, who's also the best coach in OU history, period, best head coach in, in, in OU history is, is probably the way I, sh- I should say it. I know that there are going to be people who put Barry Switzer, number one, as the assistant and as the head coach. They both have three national titles, but what separates Wilkinson is that 47-game win streak. He was only an assistant for one year at OU. Before Jim Tatum left, went to Maryland, he takes over, and from them created maybe... What would you say that was the greatest three, three-year run, three and a half year run in the history of college football? Look, he's got a record that no one is ever gonna touch. That 47-game winning streak still has most people in odd today, if you talk to any coach. And in this day and age of college football, it ain't happening. So I'm gonna put Wilkinson number t- number number one. Obviously, that would make Switzer number two, but three. And this is where I thought Barry would go, and he left this guy completely off the list, and I couldn't believe it. Number three is Jimmy Johnson, who coached on one of Switzer's staffs back in the back in the early seventies. How do you not put Jimmy Johnson on the list? And he's number three for me. Now, there's an argument for him to be made number one. National championship, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowls as Dallas Cowboy head coach. Went on to have success everywhere he was a head coach, whether it was Oklahoma State, Miami, the Dallas Cowboys, or the Miami Dolphins. Absolutely tremendous career. And if you're basing it on guys that started off as assistants and then elevated their careers after that, Johnson not only is a gross omission on the list, but he should be in your top three. And I don't care if you've got him one, two, or three, but he has to be there very surprised by Barry not putting him on. I would have him number three. Kel Gundy would have been higher on the list to me because Kel, Kel to me is the one of the ultimate football coaches, period. Position coach during his entire career, never even a coordinator, excellent recruiter, great developer of talent, and then 20 years served. And I know for a fact he had opportunities to go places. And become an offensive coordinator and chose not to. He chose to stay at OU. Same with Bobby Proctor. The only other than Jimmy Johnson, one of the bigger problems I had with the list is that he had Lincoln Riley at number four. Now, I know what you're saying. Lincoln Riley at at number four makes a lot of sense based on what you just said. But here's here's the issue with Lincoln. Lincoln's a silver spoon kid. He's he's what I call a coaching rich kid. Sure, you were a GA at Texas Tech, and then you were an assistant and a coordinator at at East Carolina, but once you came to OU and had that offensive coordinator position, Bob Stoops retires, you take over for Bob Stoops at a Blue Blood program. Your next job is at another Blue Blood program, which, by the way, it looks like you are running into the ground. So you've never really, as a head coach, you've never really had to want for anything. You never had to go out to a place like Lubbock or Pullman, Washington or Starkville, Mississippi or Stillwater, Oklahoma and try and grow your program. It was blue blood. Hey, we'll write the checks. Don't care how much it costs. Just tell us what you need. We'll take care of it. Lincoln Riley has had his butt powdered ever since. He was offensive coordinator at East Carolina. So I could not rank him that high. In fact, if there's anybody on the list that I would I would move up, it's Mike Leach. And I can't remember exactly where Barry had, you know, ranked Mike Leach. I'm kind of looking oh he had him at number seven. I'm looking through the list now. Mike Leach deserved to be higher on this on this list than Lincoln Riley if we're going again, assistant who then elevated his career because he did it at three places that I just mentioned. He was a successful head coach at Texas Tech where you're never winning a national championship. I don't care how good you are. You're never winning a national championship at Washington State. You may get close every once in a while, but you're not winning it. You're certainly not winning it at Mississippi Mississippi State. And all Mike Leach did was, was win at every single one of those places. And every single one of those places is a hell of a lot harder to win than Norman, Oklahoma and Los Angeles, California. So Lincoln Riley, as I always say, Lincoln Riley is way overrated as a coach because we do not know how we would do if he had to build a program for scratch or take over a program that was an absolute mess. And USC, no matter how bad it gets, it's never an absolute mess because you're in California, you're in Los Angeles, it's a desirable place for kids to, for kids to go so you are always going to get a level talent even if you are four and eight you've probably got a level talent on that team and you can go cult and you can go recruit and get a level talent and certainly you can pull kids from the transfer portal so Barry I would say omission glaring omission not having Jimmy Johnson on the list and you've got Lincoln Riley overrated speaking of the transfer portal keep your eye on this Tennessee is is being investigated by the NCAA for violations of NIL rules. And the NCAA is starting to crack down on that now. We saw Florida State get hammered. It feels like Tennessee is in their crosshairs. They're already a repeat offender from things that that happened in the past. And now they've got that target on their back. But I stand up and I applaud the attorney generals in Tennessee and in Virginia for fighting a back against the NCAA. And I applaud the collective at Tennessee who went out and hired lawyer Tom Mars, who's got a really good record against the NCAA to fight this. And essentially what Tennessee is saying, or what the attorney general is saying, and and I'm breaking it down in layman's terms here is, Hey, the way you've got these rules set up does not allow us to go poach kids or tell high school players, we, we cannot tell them about the NIL when we're recruiting. And they need to know the information about the NIL so they can make a sound business decision. But you don't allow us to do that with the rules. That is what they're saying in a nutshell. It's not the exact quote. They were more diplomatic than that. But I'm with Tennessee on this one. You wanted the transfer. Look, you gave us the transfer portal. You gave us the NIL. The NIL should be used as a way to try and tempt kids off other rosters. If that's how you win football games, play the game. And the only lesson that we have learned from what happened at Florida State and what happened at Tennessee is don't leave a paper trail. Don't leave any audio. No text messages. No voicemails. Nothing that can actually point back to you and get you on the NCAA's radar. Operate in the gray area. It doesn't matter if you go out and steal USC star quarterback and bring him to Norman and that kid's driving a Ferrari the next day. Everyone knows what happens. But if there's no evidence that you actually tempted him with that Ferrari or that NIL deal with the dealership, All you've got is, okay, we know this, but we can't prove it. The burden of proof is on the NCAA. So if you want to get away with this and you're a coach, it is all about burden of proof. Do not allow the NCAA to have that burden of proof. Don't allow it. Do what you have to do to win, but make sure you cover your tracks. That's the lesson the NCAA is teaching. It's not don't do it. It's just figure out how to not get caught so you don't get put on probation. That wraps up this week's show. We'll be back next week, and we'll have something cooked up for you. We're going to talk a little, more. you know. Next week, we got to talk about OU's offensive line. We we have to absolutely talk about OU's offensive line and how they're going to replace that many guys. In Beedenbo, we trust, but how much do we trust Bill Beedenbo? Well, I trust him immensely. I still think things will be good. But how quickly they get there, that could be another story. So we'll talk about that next week. And until then, as always, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul.